listening to The John Chi Show, hosted by three Korean-American adoptees diving headfirst into what it means to be adopted, Korean, American, and more. And now, here's your hosts, Nathan, Patrick, and KJ. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The John Chi Show. It's your boys, KJ, Nathan, and Patrick, with another fantastic interview. Um, fellas, how are you doing? Doing good. How are you Grand. doing? Grand. Uh, yeah, I am, I feel like still kind of recovering from being on West Coast time again. You were just on uh, vacation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, celebrating my seven year anniversary with the wife. Nice. So, seven years. Congrats. Yeah, hey, thanks. Seven uh, years I mean, of marriage, 17 years of being together. 15, actually. Oh, I was just mm-hmm. guessing, so I'm glad that I was somewhere in the ballpark. You were, yeah. Uh, I feel pretty good about that, too. It's officially, <laughs> officially half of our lives have been spent together. So That's a long time. Yeah, Aww. it's a, it's a cool. wild, wild situation. But, uh, Patrick, you were also on the West Coast. I texted you, and it was like, we've never been closer besides <laughs> the times that we've actually been in person together. That's true. We were... <laughs> Fairly close, I think. I don't know the distance between Portland and San Francisco. but Closer than the distance between Dallas and Indianapolis, I assume. That's true. That is very I true. Know, I could Same be wrong. Time zone. So, <laughs> well, and then on top of that, you texted me when you were at the airport, so uh, in Denver. Oh, that's right. I did have the layover in Denver. So <laughs> I was like, hey, yeah. I'll come by and wave as I drive by the, <laughs> the airport. <laughs> did so. you go drive by the airport? No. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> but but literally he's you know he's 30 minutes away so that's again pretty close that so. is pretty close if i had um, a longer layover i would have been like what up dog yeah God, i, I had, come, like, had a coffee <laughs> i had to literally sprint from and or for my connection between my gates oh to get to la no to get, oh, to, to, get to indianapolis no, yesterday. Back. Oh, Coming yesterday. Oh. Yeah, had I not done that, I would have missed my flight and had not returned till now. So Yikes. I'm glad that I made it. I know a bunch of people on my flight who did not make their connections. Yeah. And it was because we had to wait on the freaking catering to move over from the plane we were supposed to fly on. Wow. 45 minutes, which would have made it enough time for all of us to make our connections. But instead, the food <laughs> was more important than us. <laughs> You don't sound salty about that at all. Uh, yeah, I mean, Unlike very the food, upset. am I right? I'm just hey! Oh. But speaking <laughs> of very important things, um, Nathan, for people who are listening to the show, who are hopefully still listening to the show, um, <laughs> what does John Chi mean? Uh, John Chi means to feast uh, or celebrate or banquet or... Pretty much whatever you want, but mainly those three. <laughs> no, uh, that's super <laughs> It does not mean whatever true, you to want. Be <laughs> and uh, we are taking it uh, to celebrate and uh, feast on our stories. I feast on our stories. I know I say that, and I'm like, that doesn't sound right. Um, I think it's fine. Celebrate our our adoption uh, heritage, stories, culture, um, others that uh, that you know, come on to the show and uh, discuss with us their stories. So we are just three guys. <laughs> we are just three Korean adoptees talking to other Asian adoptees about mm-hmm. their stories. And we do celebrate on them and then feast on a snack or something at the end of the show. That's what we do. 
That's what we do. As a reminder, that's true. I mean, we haven't really said that again recently, but it is all adoptees uh, that uh, we are discussing with. So. Not well, just let's, Korean adoptees. Let's say Asian adoptees for now. Asian we shouldn't adoptees. say all adoptees. Sure. We have not branched out of the Asian category. I'm not. I'm not ready to grow that much yet. If I'm being honest, show. I'm like I'm still getting. I feel like I've gotten my footing as a Korean adoptee, and I'd like to get more sure footing with Asian adoptees broadly. But I'm not yet ready to like my. I don't think my brain can handle just being like, all right, let's jump into everything. Like, so I need to. <laughs> It's baby mm. steps on the show. Uh, but speaking of baby steps, I think it's, it's also important to say that we're three uh, cis-het male adoptees, uh, which is important because across all of the interviews that we've had, and this interview included, um, that comes up, that level of intersection comes up um, fairly regularly. Uh, so yeah, Patrick, why don't you clue us into what we interview Seth about? Give us yes. a little teaser. Little tease about our interview with Seth Jai. Um, he is an adoptee adopted from Hong Kong. And we talk a lot about those intersections between um, his being a part of the queer community, not being adopted, and also being a mental health professional. I think those are three unique intersections, um, mm-hmm. ones that we see a lot in our community, specifically from the mental health and the adoptee side. But also just navigating what all of that looks like together. And also being an adoptee who was adopted into a family whose adoptive father also immigrated from Hong Kong. I think that's something that we don't see as often in Mm -hmm. our community. And I feel like that shades a lot of what we, of the conversation that we have throughout, Um, particularly when it comes to identity formation and talking about growing up in the 90s, talking about Chinese culture and things like that. So, yeah, I'm really excited to be able to share this interview with everyone because I think it's something a little bit different than what we normally talk about on the show. Uh, We cover a lot of different bases. So Yeah, even especially like when you consider broadly Chinese adoption uh, with like the one-child policy, how it's often girls who are adopted or female presenting bodies that are adopted. Uh, And so, yeah, even, even in that case, it's just, it is such a unique, unique story. Yeah, 100%. There's a like, we, he, he, There's he gives a lot us there. a lot. Seth gives us a lot of information on his story. It is very, very interesting. Um, so, yeah, I guess without further ado, we're going to roll that tape. Roll it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the John Chi Show interview portion. We are here joined tonight by Seth Jai. Seth, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We are excited very to excited you. to have you here. Yeah. yeah, I know we've been talking a little while, too, so this is great that you came on. Yeah, I'm happy our schedules worked out. We got a good scheduling team, a.k.a. just Nathan. <laughs> um, <laughs> Shout out to Calendly, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll be using that Calendly so well. Um, Seth. Uh, we start the show the same with everybody. Um, if you would like, share as much or as little of your story with us as you feel comfortable with. Oh, my God. This is my favorite thing to talk about on Earth, everyone. So I have to go chronologically. Otherwise, I'm going to screw my own life up. <laughs> <laughs> so I was born in December in Hong Kong to a teenage pregnancy. If 16 and pregnant was around in the 90s, I could have been on it in Hong Kong. So both my parents were 16. I was immediately put up for adoption, and I was adopted July 4th, 
the following year. So I was seven months old and I went from Hong Kong to New York. So I have a lot of unique things about my story. One of the big unique things is, is that my dad is also from Hong Kong. He immigrated here when he was nine. Mm. So my whole family is like, from, his side is from Hong Kong. Huge, huge, huge family, like deep roots. They've been in China forever, obviously. They immigrated, so they were just there. Uh, my mom's side is like stereotypical New York Italian Irish. Um, if you've ever seen Goodfellas, that neighborhood where the filming took place was where like my family resides and that's their jam. So I like to tell people all the time that my viewpoint, because I was born early 90s, because what was on TV in the early 90s all the way up to like early 00s or 2000s, as they say? Uh, Friends? Friends, The Nanny, Seinfeld, like everything took place in New York. Every Very movie true. was in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I lived five miles outside New York next to JFK. <laughs> so mm. like my whole world was New York. And that's how I thought everyone was. That's how I thought everything will be. And it did not stay that way. <laughs> Around the time I was three, four, three, four ish. I started getting curious about my birth family. Like, why was I put up for adoption? All that jazz. The typical question some of us get along the way. Um, the unique thing about me is that as a true colonized person, because British owned <laughs> Hong Kong until like 97. So fun fact, everyone, my passport was straight up Hong Kong, British Hong Kong. I was never Whoa. a citizen of China. Mm. Yeah, I know. Super cool. Um, but that means all my paperwork was in English and all my birth certificates and everything. So I've known who my birth family is my whole life. Wild. Yeah, and that's how I knew they were 16 and pregnant. So my parents broke up before I was born. You know, very typical, 16. Um, Not staying together for the rest of their lives. And around the time I was three, I was starting to ask questions. So apparently through, I don't know what means, because technically I was a closed adoption, but somehow around when I was like one, birth mom reached out to social worker in Hong Kong who reached out to social worker stateside who got in touch with my mom. And she was like, you don't have to reply, but birth mom wants an update. And my mom was like, well, it's his birthday. We're doing Christmas cards. She just got to add it to the list. So, yeah, I had a very para, knew she existed, was living my life anyway in New York, a relationship until I was three. Uh, that was around the time we were adopting my sister, non-biological mm-hmm. related, who is from Guangzhou, which is like right across the little harbor in China. So... Yeah, that's when I was asking questions. I got photos sent over. Turns out my birth mom, even though she was 16, was the oldest of her siblings. So there was a brother that, or uncle, brother to her, who's two years younger than her and one that was four years younger than her. And so I got photos. I got to see what they looked like. Good news for me. Still to this day, they all have full heads of hair, so I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's important. (laughs) Yes, I'm vain. I'll say it. So very important <laughs> uh, to me. <laughs> I, I looked at the same thing in my photo too. <laughs> yeah. Actually, my mom was the one that pointed it out to me like, oh, you have hair. I'm like, great. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was around like 97 kind of like was when I started asking questions. Got satisfied real easy because I was just like, oh, okay. Because my birth, no, my adoptive parents said it real plain and simple. Like uh, they were 16 and too young to take care of you. So they were like, this is your best shot. And I'm like, fair. (laughs) So throughout school, um, I was actually always super proud of being adopted. 
I've known forever. Like my parents actually asked the social worker as they were in the process of adopting, like what happens when they ask. And the social worker back then believed if they're asking, they're ready to know an age appropriate view. So, and also when we were getting my sister, like they kind of had to like explain what it was anyway. But, um, so I was always super proud of being adopted. That doesn't mean everyone else around me in school was, but I got bullied for a lot of different things. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was just like topic of the week. Got bullied for being adopted. Got bullied for being super obviously gay. (laughs) I didn't catch on until I was 13, but whatever people. Um, (laughs) Lived through life. By the time I was in high school, I was like curious again because I was like, oh, we haven't spoken to her in like, what, five, six years. And my mom's like, I don't know. Let's just check Facebook. We found her immediately. So um, because they're Hong Kong, they're not blocked by like all the China stuff. So I am friends with a bunch of my family members on Facebook. But it's also funny, too, because none of us speak English or none of them speak English except for my uncle, the younger uncle. I don't speak Chinese. So we're just like our biggest Instagram fans is really it. We just <laughs> like each other's photos. Also, it's that's when I found emoji communication. Yeah, it really is. It's like those like <laughs> stickers that Facebook oh, yeah, has. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I get happy New Year's. I get happy birthdays. <laughs> And I just get likes whenever they post a photo of relevant fun in life. Um, but Is that's it just also the thumb I, up, thumbs up like or a little big heart? No, <laughs> they like they like go deep, like stereotypical, like Asia, like deep in stickers. Like I get a bunch of yeah, fox mm-hmm. ones. I get like yeah. chickens. Yeah. The ones you have to like, download. Yeah. So I'm like, cool. <laughs> there should be a um, term for that. Like emoji communication for, with adoptees. Biological families. There should be like a term <laughs> to coin something. Oh, God, what would it be? Um, <laughs> oh, no, because it would be parallel pictorial communication, technically, if we're going by, like, how you would name things in psych. By the way, I'm a therapist, everyone. Um, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Bring it in the terms. Yeah, I was I like, mean, parallel. That's not, that's not like what at all what I expected. I imagine just, like, Sticker communication, yeah. something simple. And you were like, no, actually, there is an amount of parallel communication that happens beneath. Yeah. All right. Okay. Look, um, I may be a therapist, everyone. I did not want the research side. So take everything I say with a grain of salt. Um, I am not <laughs> licensed to do virtual therapy to all who listen probably across the world here. Uh, yeah. That's good. So. We're not a therapy show. So that's a good disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. We're mostly just here for funsies. Yeah, <laughs> I came for the snacks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so but yeah, so in high school, that's why I found out when I found out I had siblings. Ooh. So it turns wow. out I have three younger siblings on my mom's side. Um, they were like eight and younger at the time. So what is that? I'm like twice their age then because I was like 16. So I guess I'm like eight years older than my closest sibling. And then the other one was like four at the time. So. So I asked the birth mom, I was like, hey, so in our best emoji communication style, <laughs> um, do they know I exist? And she was like, not yet. I do want to tell them, but we got to wait till they can understand what happened. Yeah. And mm. I was like, well, I mean, one of them's almost the age you were when you had me. So. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it's going to be soon. <laughs> I don't even think they still to this day. Um, that, oh, yeah. I was 16. What? Like 13 years ago ish. So. Whatever. It'll happen <laughs> when it happens. Uh, yeah. So I had half siblings. I also have a lot of cousins from those two uncles. Mm. 
Um, my birth dad really doesn't want anything to do with me. For a while, he sent me Candy Crush requests every day. I never played Candy Crush. <laughs> so All right. that was the extent of our relationship wow. for a while. Um, then he disappeared from Facebook. Life continued. I went to college, got my master's degree. <laughs> I'm a therapist. Living the dream, everyone. <laughs> and then, so fun fact. So people think like, you know, for knowing my family all this time, my big thing about wanting to know them is I'm very fortunate. I would say that I never felt the whole what ifs, like the empty heart that's always on TV that people talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always felt that I grew up in such a loving family that I was just like, look, I'm happy where I am kind of deal. But I will also admit I've known my story my whole life. So very unique, <laughs> not right, sure. doubting anyone else mm-hmm. and your experiences. Me personally, happy where I am. Happy where I am being. Um, same thing with my adopted sister, because she's the total opposite. She knows nothing. We don't even think her paperwork's hers. So, mm-hmm. But she's always like, I like where I ended up. I don't care about the past. And I'm like, okay. Something my parents had a huge guilt trip over growing up that I knew everything and she knew nothing, but she doesn't care. Like, genuinely does not care. Yeah. Because I've been on other shows and stuff, and I'm always, like, talking to my sister. I'm like, hey, your story's kind of cool, too. You should tell it. And she's like, I'm good. I really don't care. So, oh, well. Life moved on. I did 23 and Me because even though my dad is, his first language is Cantonese, too. My dad has this whole thing. I don't really think he's down that I know my birth family because I think it's, like, a mm. weird thing in his conceptual head. Like, my dad's side is super traditional Chinese. Mm. So, I don't know. They just have, like, weird trickle-down values, too. But they were all down with me being gay. They just didn't care about it. I was like, okay, well, <laughs> love me for me. Thanks. <laughs> huh. Yeah. That's I interesting. Know. So random. Um, I, like, to think it contributed to the fact that I was so obviously gay my whole life. That they had, like, 13 years to catch up and get used to it. But that's a theory. I don't know. And my dad's side will never open up to tell you. So anyways, I did 23 Me because there was some weird communication thing that I could never find out my medical history. And that's the one thing I really wanted. Like, right. what am I going to die from? <laughs> um, so I did the 23 Me test. I bought the upgrade because back then it was just a one-time payment to get your medical stuff. And it turns out mm. I'm super healthy, everyone. So that's exciting. Yay. And I'm not pre-diagnosed or preemptive to anything. Except for having like an attached earlobe and dry earwax, which is fine. I got that dry earwax too. Hmm. Honestly, I didn't know people had wet earwax until I took that test. And I was like, that's what, what I'm earth? saying. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to know what that's like. That sounds terrible, <laughs> honestly. So not judging you if you have it out there yeah, I know. But. oh yeah totally not judging you i just don't want to i just, just don't yeah deal with i it. can't even imagine <laughs> i don't it's fine this is not uh, what we're here for we had to eat later <laughs> i won't go into it <laughs> um yeah so a year ago 23 and me was like you have updates i'm like okay let's go see who's my like fourth cousin today a right. sister pops up oh dang and Whoa. i'm like who are you <laughs> So, and you were like, birth mom, have you talked about me yet? Is this, is this about to be real uncomfortable? <laughs> well, so, no, I didn't even think to talk to the birth mom. I just messaged who the sister was. And I was like, where are you from? Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> How old are you? So, what was I? Last year, I was 27 at the time I discovered it. 
And she was like, I'm 25. I'm like, shut up. Whoa. I was like, when's your birthday? 13 months younger than me. Wow. Oh, wow. So I was like, are we half siblings? Because for those who've done the DNA, you know, um, if you were born with XX chromosomes, you cannot trace your Y lineage. And that's me trying to be gender inclusive and all that stuff. But in the nicest way possible. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was like, okay, well, it's only 60 something percent. Maybe that's like the missing half or maybe we're just half siblings, you know. Um, so I felt so bad because I'm bombarding this poor stranger sister with like all this information. And I'm like, look, I'm about to reach out to the birth fam and be like, who is this? So I reached out to my birth mom. And I was like, uh, so hmm, you always said I had four siblings and I just assumed that was a typo because I could only count. Also, you're with a bunch of other kids and I don't know who's your kids. Um, do I have a sister that's, uh, 13 months younger than me? And she was like, wait, did you find her? (laughs) And I was like, is this a half sister or is this a full sister? And she's like, no, she's your full sister. And I was like, what happened to you guys broke up before I was born? Right. (laughs) And she was like, it didn't last. And I was like, 13 months? I was like, four months later, you guys, like, did it again. Mm. Like, not judging the fact that you guys, you know, got back together. uh, But slightly judging that you didn't learn the first time. Uh, (laughs) I admit, I was a pure oops baby, everyone. (laughs) And actually, my big feelings around that discovery was, I felt super cool being like, hey, guys, I was a teenage pregnancy. Once I found out I had a sister 13 months younger than me, I was like, damn it, now I'm just a stereotype. It's a pattern. I'm less special. <laughs> but wow. so I was reaching out to like birth mom and I'm messaging like a new sister back. I'm like, uh, yeah, crazy. And I'm like calling everyone I know because again, I've been super open and comfortable with my adoption story. Everyone I know knows. So I'm like, I have a sister. And they're like, yeah, we know. You live with her. I was like, no. I have like 13 months <laughs> younger <different> than me. Sister. <laughs> and I'm like, is this one of your half ones? I'm like, no, apparently she's full. My adoptive parents are kind of pissed though. Um, because they were like, if we knew she existed, we would have adopted her. Interesting. So the interesting huh. part too about sister was she actually was adopted to Hong Kong. She was like, a, I guess local adoption. I forget what they call when you're in the same country. A domestic adoption. Domestic. Domestic. Yeah. She was a domestic adoption in Hong Kong. And I'm like, Hong Kong Island's like five miles square big. Like, cool. So I'm like to messaging her like, okay, yeah, I just talked to the birth mom. She confirmed like we did exist <laughs> together, blah, blah, blah. Turns out she had no information about our birth parents. Mm. So I accidentally flooded her life with all this information. And I was like, oops. I just assumed you lived in the same five square miles. You would have known each other. <laughs> yeah. So that's an interesting dynamic. Uh, Oh, yeah. I told you guys I'm a therapist, right? Turns out uh, new sister, the one that's like 13 months younger than me, she works at a men's mental health clinic. And I was like, what? Look at us both in mental health. Is this genetic? (laughs) Are we predisposed for mental health work? Mental health work. We're both obsessed with boy bands. We have the same face. Like... The only person that's had the same face as me is my uncle, the tw- one 12 years older than me. And I call him my uncle twin because hmm. we, he looks really young. <laughs> so I'm like, wow, look at that. So now we like Snapchat every day. Uh, she's living her life in Vancouver because she went to college in Vancouver, lives there now. 
um, living happily on the East Coast, USA. And I feel like there's something else I forgot to, to mention along with this story. I don't know. My story is all over the place. And those are like the big highlights. <laughs> oh, I mean, those are some massive highlights. Yeah. Birth dad just had a baby. That was the other one. <laughs> oh, so you have another half just recently. Funny. Yep. Wow. Interesting. I'm like also he's you're communicating with him not through Candy Crush then I assume or did <laughs> no, you just like I found out find that out his... via Candy Crush request <laughs> I found out via I found out via um he changed his Facebook photo <laughs> and I was like who's this lady and a baby <laughs> interesting and so I just like crept for a second because he was off Facebook for like eight years suddenly he yeah. pops back on with this lady and a baby and I'm like oh <laughs> guess there's another one wild another sibling that doesn't know I exist that is wild. Hooray. Not hooray, but you know. <laughs> I would happily pop out of a cake for them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. And then we're like, who? What? Oh, wait, who? <laughs> I'm like 30 years older than you. Congrats. <laughs> wow. All right. Lots yeah. to unpack, I feel like. Yes. Yes. Lots of the big highlights. I appreciate you sharing all that with us. Um, my first question is, you said that you were first curious about your own story and your adoptive or your birth family at like three years old. Yep. I kind of want to know how that came about. Like you said that you're like you're specifically on your adoptive dad side, like they it didn't seem like they really engaged in that conversation a lot. And so I was just wondering just how you like you said that you got curious, like what prompted that curiosity? Um, I honestly think the process of adopting my sister. Okay. Like seeing like what it was like, how it operated. I was like, you guys are doing a lot of preparation. Is this what you did for me? Cool. Mm. Why was I put up for adoption? Yeah, I just feel like it's so, it's so interesting to me. It's just so young. And I've been like, I just started my therapy journey and we're talking about like accessing like repressed memories and stuff like that. And I'm just like, I don't really have any conscious memory like pre five years old, I feel like even. And like, I just to even, you know, I didn't get curious about my own story till I was 30. So that's like three decades after, (laughs) after you had that come about. And we, and I, we adopted or my family adopted a another child too, you know, a year and a half after I was adopted. So I just feel like it's so early to go on that journey. And I feel like a very rare instance of, you know, like you said, you've always had access to your story you've always known what it was and to feel even with that monumental act you know aware enough to be like oh i want to ask questions about my own story and then to just have access to all of the information that you had access to is really interesting something i haven't heard before yeah and that's actually the big thing with hong kong is so i know that like a lot of chinese adoptees talk about one child policy Mm -hmm. um that straight up wasn't me because it didn't affect hong kong because we were colonized um, sure. So many people were so angry at me during Black Panther when everyone was calling people colonizers because I was like, I can legitimately do it. Leave me alone. I'm going to call everyone <laughs> a colonizer. But um, yeah, you. my access to records, uh, my ability to be a sibling and put up for adoption. Like, yeah, so that kind of excludes me out of a lot of like Chinese adoptive stuff, despite yeah. the fact that Hong Kong's in China. We're all ethnically Chinese. Um, so... No, I think it just highlights the uniqueness of your story. Right. Um, I mean, like, we are still uh, figuring out, I think, the rhythms of talking to other Asian adoptees who aren't Korean adoptees. And so, but I think even within that, you know, like you, I mean, we have uh, adoptees 
who are friends from China. And so we, we kind of know like some of that rhythm, but then even for you to be like, no, it's from Hong Kong. It's like super different. And then I think also too, to be adopted where your, your dad was an immigrant himself from Hong Kong and then growing up with that dichotomy. Cause the other thing I feel like that we talk about and we've heard on our show is with transracial adoptees, it's just like, yeah, I don't know. I didn't even realize I was Asian until like I was 28. And then right. I was like, Oh damn, I'm Asian. I got to figure that out. What was the, was your, slash is your dad like very conscious of being Asian American or does he really just think of himself as from Hong Kong living in America or you know what I mean? No, I totally get what you mean. And this is one of my favorite things to talk about because therapy side cup totally like takes over. So I truly feel that my dad has that like immigrant trauma where like Mm. assimilation to the max. Sure. Which is why I don't speak Chinese. Because my dad didn't want to teach me and my sister because he wanted us to assimilate better. Despite the fact that my sister totally spoke Chinese when she got adopted because she was a year old, she understood everything. Mm. I would have conversations with our great-grandparents all the time, or at least understand what they're saying, respond back in English kind of stuff. I never had that gift. Um, I actually tried to learn Cantonese a few years ago. Super hard. Uh, <laughs> even the, though I grew up listening to it my whole life because my whole dad's side, like my dad and uncle are the only ones that speak English. So I just was kind of there being like token, like, hey, but <laughs> um, yeah, just so we never hid the fact that we were Chinese because obviously you really can't hide it when I'm living with everyone speaking Chinese. But my dad was right. very much like, no, you're in America, blend in, be America. And my mom also was a huge proponent of that, too, because like I said, my dad's side is super traditional. But my mom's mm-hmm. philosophy was they're living in America. They have to blend here too. Right. But also because like my dad's, I think, oh, and like, like I said, he was nine when he got here. Um, he didn't speak English when he got here. He truly like what you would see like a true immigrant life. Like, yeah, that was so him. He was the one that was nine years old translating like all the tax information, letters they get in the mail to his parents. And yeah, he barely speaks English. Um... So yeah, I there was another question in there that I'm not answering. I cannot remember, but uh, um, I think well, I mean, I think you're talking about your dad just being like super assimilation e answers a lot of it. But I guess the follow up to that is what was and you might have said this when my AirPods died because I'm a noob podcaster. Uh, but um, what was your like your conception of being Chinese and like? how did that identity or has that identity shifted? Cause I think what's interesting is like, especially like being a child of the nineties, like I was just kind of reflecting on the uh, kind of dominance of South Korean culture in America right now. But in the nineties, it was like all about China and like the big points for me understanding, like as I was grasping for literally anything that was Korea adjacent, a lot of it was Chinese. And so I was like, looking at like Jackie Chan adventures. I was looking at like rush hour. <laughs> I was looking at, uh, like a lot of that stuff. And then like when Disney dropped uh, American born Chinese, it was like transported back to the time. I was like, Oh yeah, I forgot that I took in like a lot of like Chinese American culture. So what was that like for you? If you're, you know, if your dad was like, uh, you're American, but like, were you still like, yeah, but what about this like Chinese part of me? Or was it just like, yeah, right. Um, okay. So there is more to this, but yeah, basically I was like, okay. Yeah. Because Again, it was more of just, like, live in the world that you live in kind of deal. But at home, we're still going to celebrate New Year. Mm-hmm. We're still going to do, mm-hmm. like, a couple things. Like, we didn't do the Moon Festival stuff. 
uh, what is it? Is it the Moon Festival I'm thinking of? With the Moon Cakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Full Moon Festival. Yes. I only know <laughs> it from like a Netflix show, and I talked to a, a Chinese friend, and they were like, yeah, I don't know. Like, Chang'e, like, wasn't a big deal for me. So. Yeah, see, and that's the thing for me. I know it about it because my grandparents would have moon cakes around. But yeah. also, I hate moon cakes, so I was never into <laughs> eating them. <laughs> and like, that's something, oh my God, that's something I laugh about because also I'm in the groups online and people like, I get it, find your identity how you want to find your identity. But like, guys, there's so much better stuff to cook than a moon cake. Like, they're really yeah. bad. Like, <laughs> I'm saying it. Like, moon cakes are horrible. Um, uh, like, cook chow mein or something but um yeah so another part of like me growing up and like figuring out my like chinese side and asian identity is because i grew up in new york too my parents are super adamant that me and my sister knew we were not the only ones mm-hmm. so we were part of what was oh god fce at the time it was friends of children everywhere which i think switched to peruvian i don't know how we went from asian adoptees to peruvian interesting but it was just a group of people that would get together a couple times a year. And, like, there was about, like, what, 50-something families that would, like, gather together. There was a big picnic every summer. There was a water park in the picnic. We celebrated New Year together. But it was really just, like, a place, a group of people that just wanted their kids to have an identity, too. But, like, even then, so it was a lot of, it was a mix. Chinese, Korea. Like, very even-even. Mm-hmm. Um... So they would be very inclusive about that while us kids would go off and be like kids and like play on the playground. They would have like lessons for the parents, which I didn't realize till later, but I was like, Ooh, that must suck for you, daddy. <laughs> like you have these like white people up here telling you how to live your life. China and what your like, life is oh, like. Yeah. This is what it's like <laughs> for China. And you're like, yeah, I know I, I'm from there. <laughs> yeah. And apparently they were super awkward with him there too, <laughs> which made him laugh too. Cause he's like, hey. <laughs> he's like, yeah, keep going. <laughs> But I don't know, like that was another part too, is just like, my parents are very adamant that we are not alone. And that's something my mom used to say, you are not the only adoptive ones. Uh, But that still does not mean I did not suffer from the lack of representation, everyone. Literally, um, about what, six years ago, I had a dream I was sold into white slavery and I escaped and then woke up and I was like, well, no shit, I escaped. No one tried to stop me. And now I remember why. Um, So, yeah, and I feel like that's a overall, like, Asian-American experience, especially for, like, our age group. Maybe not so much, like, the youngins growing up now, now that K-pop is so prevalent and half of K-pop is from China anyway. (laughs) So we can find someone we identify with. The other thing is, too, my adoptive dad does not look Chinese. He is 6'2 and pure muscle, and he is, like, Mm. huge. Um, so people and he's super dark too. So people think he's from Samoa mm. all the time. And because I'm short and super tan, people think I'm Filipino all the time. <laughs> which I don't mind at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very happy that I'm tan. Um, which I found out later in life. I'm like, ooh, I would not be <laughs> down with the world in China, apparently. In fact, my so- new sister was the one that pointed out my lips are too big for China. I was like, ooh, I like my lips. Thanks. And you're like, what do you mean they're too, what? No. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, going back to the, this gathering that you did, um, did, how did you, uh, relate to that? Did you like it? Did you keep any friends from that group? Did you, what did you think about the community and the adoption community? Um, I saw it more as just fun activity. 
like, yeah, it was more fun to celebrate with, like, the group of people than it was to, like, go out to eat with my grandparents on my dad's side kind of deal. Um, You're like, it's nice that we can all commiserate about these crappy mooncakes. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't do mooncakes there, luckily. Um, but, yeah, just, like, the gatherings, the groups, like, it really did mm. just show that, like, we're not alone, but okay. I don't know. There's a couple that like we did hang out a lot with, but not really. I haven't kept up with them like in person, I guess in like 15, 16 years, but like we're, we're all, all Facebook young. friends and stuff. We're all like, you know, oh, cheering throwing those stickers, on. doing that parallel pictographic <laughs> communication. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Candy crush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People are getting married and I'm like, Oh, so jealous. Go you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, just, all living life happy that we knew each other and we were available to understand that we were not alone actually i really think my mom benefited most yeah from the groups too not because she like learned about culture and stuff but just because like resources Mm -hmm. out there that were available like doctors that understood the process (laughs) doctors Mm. that understood that or even like psychotherapists that understood it's not because he's adopted because remember, nineties, everyone thought that like axe murderers. <laughs> we were all axe murderers back then. <laughs> like immediately, I don't know if that was like with you guys. That was definitely on TV a lot. What I saw, and actually, at a lot Wait, of people, then adoptees would grow up to become axe murderers. That all axe murderers were adopted too, and that no, all of us were going to end that. up being that. <laughs> don't I don't remember that, that either. Now. That's interesting though. <laughs> I got to look up axe murderers now. We <laughs> have to it, do some it, regional news deep dives. Yeah. <laughs> I swear, make sure like, not to straight up, one of axe. the social workers told my mom that, like, oh, be careful with your kids. Like, they're adopted. And she's like, what does that mean? Yikes. My mom's a very confrontational person, too, so it did not end well. We were not allowed to speak to her anymore. <laughs> and that was, like... <laughs> That's probably good. Five years, I wasn't able to speak to the social worker at school, which is also funny because <laughs> therapist now. Anyways. um, Speaking of now, um, you also have a podcast. And you have, um, I don't know how long you have been doing this. Tell us a little about it. What's the, you know, what's, what's the motivation? What, what, do, you know, what is it all about? Okay. So, um, <laughs> fun story, everyone. I opened up the show with talking about how vain I was. So, <laughs> translate here too. During the pandemic, I bought a microphone because as I was working virtually with people, I was like, I need a good microphone and they're getting really cheap right now. So I bought a fancy mic. I had a lot of friends with the podcast and I was like, cool, I need to do something with this microphone. Took me eight months to come up with the idea. So the show is called the shape of a star podcast. The word podcast is in the name to get it through to people. (laughs) Um, Because a lot of people like it's the shape of a star. I'm like, no, it's a podcast. Thank you. Um, Yeah. The gist of the show is that like everybody has a story. We just need to shape it. So like we're the star or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. Um, I realize that I find everyone fascinating, no matter how boring you may think you are or how extravagant your life may be. Everyone has stuff that makes them tick and how they've discovered their tick makes them fascinating to me. So that's what the show is. I just bring on a new person every time and we just talk about what makes them them and how they ended up where they are now. I've had people, I've had adoptees on. I've had my next question. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I've had adoptees on. I've had music people on. A lot of actors, a lot of writers. A couple of people from TikTok have come on. 
and just honestly, especially in the beginning, I was pulling anyone that was willing to come on, blackmailing yeah. some friends yeah. to come on. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, every episode is just a new person that says their life story. Lots of performing arts, lots of different therapists. Uh, yeah, pretty much just, I like talking to people. Yeah, that's awesome. I think it's so important too, because like when we started our show, it was in the pandemic and we were looking out for like adoptee specific resources and things. And uh, just found that like it was only interviews, but I didn't really know like how it was sourced or anything, anything like that. And like when I got my start, I was a guest on another show. Um, and it really like gave me that kind of internal validation. Um, just be like, no, yeah, your story is worth telling. And like I was in uh, performance for lack of a better term, was, like in doing church music, right? So just like used to performing and, and being a certain way to certain personality, whatever. Um, but it was just like, I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like I, this is just who I am, I guess. And then as we started the show, I, I realized how important it is like that first yes for a person to just be like, yeah, no, I, I want to hear your story even if you think it's super boring or if you think it's super extravagant, whatever, like it's worth, worth sharing and worth doing. So I think it's really awesome is you've got a whole podcast dedicating to giving people yeses and being like, yeah, tell me about your story. That's, that's awesome. Thank you. And yeah, that's the whole thing behind it. You're right. <laughs> Just, I'm totally down the chat. I'll talk to almost anyone. As long as you're not actively trying to hate kill me, you're down to welcome on my show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're not, not cool with hate killers. Interesting. <laughs> okay. Hate killers, ax murderers, leave them out. We're not <laughs> about that it. life. I'll take an axe murderer as long as you're not aiming at me, but. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, I record virtually, too, so you're nowhere near me. So, yeah, that's true. Never find me. You're messing up your own computer if you're coming out with that axe. Yes. Um, What took you into like what led you towards therapy as like a career? Like what 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 was the passion behind that? Um, Honestly, so I work in schools and I love school hours. (laughs) All right. <laughs> um, I also realized along the way that I have the gift of having people able to open up to me. I mm-hmm. don't know what it is. I do see that some people have it. Some people don't. I call it a gift because I really like it. Um, I think that helps the show a lot to my own show. But yeah, I knew I could help people. And yeah, the reason why I chose where I chose is because I really like school hours. I'll be honest. I like the consistency of like weekdays, nights free. And I don't know. I just like, as I went on in life, I realized, wow, I do help a lot of people because despite the fact that I'm here talking about my adoptive story, um, like I kind of said earlier, my adoptee like identity was pretty solid growing up, but it was exploring like gaydom is really kind of like the big struggle quote, quote I had growing up because People could accept adoptee easier than gay back then. I don't know if it's like the same or different or if it flip-flopped along the way. But yeah, no, just through my own coming out process and helping others come out as well. That's when I really learned like the trick of the trade of adoptees. Or not adoptees, of like I'm good at therapy. And then Mm -hmm. kind of like around like mid-last decade, like 2015-ish, I was like, I haven't like dealt with adoptees in forever. Let's like hop back in the community. And then I joined like all those internet groups that you can find on Facebook, everyone, probably in almost all of them that allow Chinese adoptees in. And I realized, wow, people really don't get it. <laughs> like our lives and our stories. Mm. Very true. 
I think that's really interesting. Like, cause I'm, I'm often really curious about the parallels between, uh, like a queer identity, uh, and adoptee identity and how, like whether or not you have to come out from one or the other, because I think there's oftentimes, and I'm sure you've heard the story, right. Of adoptees being like, like they have their own kind of coming out moment. Um, but it's interesting that you were like, no, actually for me, the adoptee part was pretty solid, but the, it was being gay. That was like, I don't know if it was like a, a code switching situation for you or, or what that was. And in terms of just kind of navigating a uh, particular language or how you handle certain social situations to, to go through, like to get to like being comfortable with who you are now. Okay, I'm not sure if this answers what you're saying, but I have a good, what I think is a good answer. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so I think the big thing that really helped me live with adopteeism easier is because being an adoptee is something that happened to me. Mm. Like, I didn't choose to be adopted. I didn't choose to be born. But hey, along the way, I was it. And I was very lucky to be in a very loving family that has loved me for me my whole life. Yeah, trust me. Um, I don't think I would have been this well off if I was in Hong Kong still. Uh, <laughs> gay is still not okay fully over there, so <laughs> much better on that end. I mm-hmm. could have been adopted into a very hateful family too, but instead, I was adopted into a very loving family who, like I said, even with super traditional values, still loves me for me. Um, so yeah, adoptee <laughs> happened to me. Being gay was something I had to get comfortable with with myself, which is also funny too because. The whole, like, exploration of it was very rough for me growing up. And then the second I saw, like, this guy that I thought was super cute in class in ninth grade, like, literally, whole world faded away. It was only him in the war room. The first thing I said was, ah, shit, they're right. (laughs) (laughs) I was so angry that everyone else was correct, because I like knowing myself. Always like knowing myself and my identity. You know, had a lot of isms to go with, or to go with, and... I was like, God damn it, they're right. They figured it out before me. And I came out in less than like 24 hours later, Little World. Which I got bullied less once I came out, so. Mm. Yeah, okay. So I guess because, I guess it's a byproduct of just being adopted like as a baby. Like I typically, even though adoption is a thing that happened to me, I I still think of it as a pretty inherent uh, identity. Like a thing that I was basically born with. I guess that wouldn't be true for like the adoptees who were adopted at like four or six or, you know, whatever, how old, however old they were. But yeah, maybe that's what I'm, there are the parallels, but yeah, that, that is a, a, an important distinction to remember because it's the same thing. Like I was born missing a thumb and like my forearm bone and things like that. So I'm just like, I just am disabled. Uh, so yeah, so maybe that's the, the key difference. Cause it is, it is obviously I think parallel, but not, not the same, but yeah, that's interesting to think about like, literally just like the timeline versus intrinsic nature of those two identities. I honestly think it's because I could blame someone else. (laughs) (laughs) I really do. When you boil it down, I could be, I could blame the world for me being adopted. I could not blame anyone except myself for being gay. Right. 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 (laughs) Like to boil it down to the very, very simplest things. I think that's why I was able to make the distinction. Yeah. Because you were just like, I just got to deal with it. This is just who I am. So. (laughs) Damn it. They're right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> damn it they're right i hate being wrong so amen um you so you said you hop back into the community around 2015 are you still do you still find yourself in community with a lot of adoptees now like 
in terms of what you do for your work, in terms of just socially? What does that look like for you? So I feel like I still hop in and out. I've never really like dove fully back in. Sure. Yeah. But that's also because like in the adoptee community, I'm a huge minority there too. I like the joke that I'm a minority almost everywhere I go. Um, yeah, because even in the gay community, I leaned more towards asexual. So like the hypersexuality mm. culture of gayism, I'm like, that's not for me. Sorry. So mm. I get left behind there. And the Chinese adoptees specifically, like I'm from Hong Kong. So like, I don't know if you guys see that there's a bunch of adoptee studies that go on because all the people our age are like now trying to get their doctorates and whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm ineligible (laughs) for almost all the studies because I'm not one child. Right. Interesting. Right. So that's why I haven't like fully like enmeshed in, but I have my friends um, around. They're actually very local. I found out. Um, what was at the same college as me, actually, when I was in the group? I was like, oh, hey, you're at the school, too. <laughs> <laughs> and he was another guy from China, which, if you don't know, there's a huge disproportionate ratio yeah. of gender in, from yeah. China world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, oh, my God, another Chinese guy. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> and now we work in a similar field. So I'm always like hitting them up, actually, because I just switched jobs recently, everyone, um, into a field similar to his. We literally talk every day to like compare notes. Because we work in very similar, very close proximity schools. Like, oh, did you hear about this today? <laughs> hear about this policy? That's um, interesting. Yeah. And yeah, so just, I don't know. Happily to be. Oh, I've also done like the meetups occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm in the D.C. area, they hop between Maryland, D.C., Virginia. And I don't like driving. So I'm not driving all over the states. <laughs> I'll go sure. to the ones near me. But because they <laughs> rotate every few months, I'm like, I'll see you guys every few months then. It's fine. There you go. <laughs> so besides uh, avoiding mooncakes, what, what's uh, what's on your plate for uh, discovering more or more into your culture, your adoption? What what do you, you know, what's next for you? Um, One day I will meet my birth family. Um, But the weird thing is I'm not in a rush <laughs> to do it. I don't know if it's like the whole delusion of invincibility that because they were so young that we're all still young. Mm. Like, I don't know. My birth parents aren't even 50 yet. So I'm like, we got time. And also my siblings don't know I exist. So we got to sure. wait till they know before yeah. I like pop no one up. Just be like, yeah, that's not, nobody wants that cake right now. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that's part of like my discovery of adopt. Deism, I guess. I don't know. Is that really an identity aspect of being adopted or adoptiism? Or is that just like my next step in my adoptee life? Who knows? Um, we can't judge each other. It's not our each other's paths. Mm, yeah. Go with know. it. We can. We can judge Oh yeah, each we other. definitely That's can. We, but we shouldn't. <laughs> on the show, we don't. But, we don't. Uh, yeah. Off the show. I'm a very I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Eventually I'll meet my birth fam. Uh, I was in China when I went and adopted my sister. Like, I know it was like 1997, but honestly, I don't have the travel bug in me. So will I ever go back? Eh. <laughs> so you haven't sure. been back since that moment? Nope, I haven't left the country since 97. Okay. So okay, I really just don't have like the urge to go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, You're rooted, for sure. I, yes, East Coast specifically, everyone. If I leave the time zone, I'm like thrown off forever. So I'm back. <laughs> You're like, I don't I can't deal with this jet lag. I'm like it's one hour. I can't do it. I can't do the jet lag. It, it really was that bad one time, actually. I was there for five days. I could never adjust. <laughs> Incredible. 
awesome. Well, Seth, thank you for sharing sharing your story. Uh, it's been really like a lot to listen to you. It's it's been so enriching. I think for me to, to listen to your story to to all of the uniqueness of it and the way that you tell it is really engaging and fun. And I'm just like always, uh, yeah, it's just been a fun exploration. So thanks for coming on and doing that. We are going to take a break, and when we come back, we're jumping into a snack. I don't think it's Korean, but honestly, I don't know what we're eating. Uh, I think I saw beer chips. I don't know. Roll the tape. (laughs) (laughs) The appropriate cue. Welcome back to the John Chi Show. Time to eat. Eat some snacks. Uh, I am excited for this snack, and uh, I think uh, Seth is as well. Thank you so much for that great interview, Seth. Um, we are going to try some very traditional potato chips that are everyone has heard of Lay's potato chips. Traditional that potato is who chips. makes it. I know. I mean, when you think of potato chips, I think of Lay's, right? Or Doritos. 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 Those two. No, right? I go with Lay's. Lay's? Okay. Yeah. So, but I have noticed over the years, I've seen a lot of different flavors of Lay's from across the world, from different countries and stuff. And this one is, you know, it says right there, product of China on the back of it. Um, and like it is a flavor I like, yeah, and it's a flavor I've never seen before um, that I thought was interesting. It is a craft beer flavored chip. So they had two versions of this this one and a peach beer flavored chip, which was interesting. So, what kind of craft beer is it? It just says craft beer. That's all it says. Yeah. Uh, the, the Google flavor. the Google lens says a bit of beer steam, big wave potato chip. Yeah. So big that's wave. a hot mess of translated text. What does that even mean? I don't know. But uh, but I'm here for it. I wish I had a beer though to go along with it. But I mean, story. you kind of do. That's what the chip is for. I could that's have. That's what the oh, hell beer is for. Oh, okay, I was like, are we on three? No, you guys already ate. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. Smells like a regular lay to me. It does not taste like a regular lay. Like, hmm. well, it smells like straight up beer. Wow. Wow. I feel like I walked into a frat house. That is, huh. It's sweeter than I expected. It is sweeter. Yeah. Nope. But it is definitely reminiscent of beer, which is kind of crazy. Oh, it's got the like strong Lay's, like classic Lay's chip flavor. Yeah, which I did not expect to taste any of. So it's. I'm not gonna lie, I like the Lay's chip flavor better than the beer flavoring. Yeah, Yeah. I'm gonna try another one though. Hmm. I don't know what's going. I feel like this tastes like grapes. It doesn't even taste like beer to me. Tastes like grapes. Really? I don't like it. It tastes like grapes, (laughs) and then it finishes like hops. Yeah. Oh, and, and this is the weird part for me. I don't know. I don't know why, but I'm having flashbacks of when I used to sneak a sip of my dad's beer. Like, what like strange? I, <laughs> like when you were a kid to be brought up yeah. by these chips. I don't know why, but it's like it's like it's um. It's because you were a kid and your palate wasn't used to beer, and so you're like, oh, maybe. what is this, and why do adults drink it? Yeah, I mean, it's not. I mean, it's not horrible. It's it's not great. But it's just got a very unique flavor, and it's—I don't know—I I don't know—I don't know where it's coming from, but it definitely reminds me of like a, a, a quick 
don't know, a quick sip of beer. Making my throat cold. I don't like it. I definitely, um, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, not bad. And then I kept eating it, and it's gotten progressively worse with each chip. So I'm going to stop. Yeah, I'm not that. a fan. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, do you have any, any opinions? Um, yeah, so it's very spritzy is how I would describe yes. it. I also oh, can't okay. drink that's anything. Good, that's a good description. Spritzy, yes. yeah. I personally can't drink anything carbonated either, so <laughs> I'm not like the best comparison on beer. <laughs> But no, it feels what spritzy things would feel like if it didn't burn my mouth when I bubbled. You're like imagine but... Pop Rocks, but lighter. Yeah. <laughs> um, kind of refreshing in a way, but I don't know if that's because I also had water with it. Um... <laughs> Are y'all's mouths minty? Yes. yes that's what I'm saying. What? That's why my throat is mm. cold. That's what I was saying. That's why my throat felt cold. It's the mint flavor. Mm. What the F? I don't like it. I'm going to smash these with my hands afterwards. Ooh, wow. <laughs> because I don't like them. Yikes. Okay. It Sorry, does not I did not mean to mint. interrupt you. That mint really just took me by surprise. Other thoughts? Any others? Oh. Yeah. Okay. So for those out there, you know when chips get staler and they're like not as crispy and they kind of like take an effort to like crack when you bite it? Yeah. This has that where like it's some moisture in it and I guess it's the beam ste- or the beer steam with it. But yeah, it's not mm. as like breakable with your teeth as other ones are oh that's interesting i feel like mine are very crunchy and like super breakable like the opposite of what you just described like really crisp (laughs) but not good not my favorite (laughs) but not good i said not my favorite i didn't say not Not good my favorite (laughs) it's okay so that is interesting we are not sponsored by lays we are just trying snacks and everyone has a preference um and everyone has a rating so, Seth, what would you rate this on a scale from one to five beers that will make you pass out? <laughs> so, <laughs> Wait, which way? What? I don't know. <laughs> How on a scale from one to five? Sorry, as an obscure rating. Uh, no, I would put it down with the mooncake at one. Okay, mm. down to one. <laughs> I don't it's feel a, as bad as saying that I have a low rating as well. Oh, it's about as yeah. sweet as a mooncake. It's just slightly sweet. Yeah, I usually rate on the scale of can I eat the entire bag before we're done doing this section. And I can't even eat any more of these. This is just, I see KJ over there munching on them still. (laughs) And I am confused because this is just not my jam. Um, Yeah, I'm going with a one. This was just not not it for me. Lays, I don't know know who is over there in your product department making these decisions. I'm not here for it. Yeah, I uh, I went in for another one just to make sure that I agreed with my past self, and I do. These are also a one for me. I don't know if I can... I mean, like, a zero, I guess, would just be that we didn't eat it, right? Uh, and it feels sure. it just feels incredibly rude to give it a decimal point. So <laughs> I'll give it a one. Only because I don't understand the flavor, like how it's attacking my mouth. But it's impressive nonetheless. You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand the mint. I don't understand how they got spritz in there. But, like, it does hit like beer. Not a good beer, but it does technically hit like beer. It definitely degraded the more chips I ate. And, uh, yeah, I'm just like, I feel like I drank a beer, I guess. So it's like a a non-alcoholic beer that it was also crunchy. And, yeah, it's a weird experience. Um, it is definitely so, weird. I would definitely recommend people try it. 
just don't expect much or expect exactly what I've described. So one, one out of five for me. I have some similar reflections. As you said, it's, <laughs> it's, it's confusing and yet it's accurate. And because of that, yeah. I actually <laughs> want to give it a two. Wow. So yes, I don't like it. And yes, I don't think I would have it again, but the two is there because <laughs> it's not false advertising. In my mind, it tastes <laughs> like a beer and a chip merged and had a baby. And this is like, I don't know. It's just weird. Um, I'm really curious now about the peach flavored one. I think that has to be worse. <laughs> <laughs> what if it's better? Because then, then it's It'd probably be better. I don't know. Maybe. Um, maybe next time I'm there, I'll buy one. But uh, it's definitely not. I mean, I don't know what I was expecting from a chip that tasted like beer, to be honest. <laughs> so when I picked it up. Yeah, you know? you're right. Maybe that's on me. Yeah, right. So, but uh, yeah, I go with a two just because, you know, I'm impressed that they could make it taste like beer. But uh, it's low because I don't want to eat anymore also. But it does taste like a Lay's chip. So the Lay's chip is still kind of good. So, you know. See, I only got that on the first chip. And then I'm, all I can feel right now is the mint in the back of my throat. And I'm just not happy about it. I got to go brush my teeth. As soon as I leave here, I'm brushing my teeth. <laughs> All right. I'm out of here with that. Well, there you have it. <laughs> Great. Seth, uh, I again, you were thank keep you for going. coming on and <laughs> no. sharing your story with us. I feel like there's a lot more to unpack, and I would love to have some other conversations with you, particularly about the Hong Kong adoptee experience. I just talked to a few other Hong Kong adoptees and would love to compare notes. I don't know if that's oh the right God, way yes. to describe it. Um, but yeah, we'll definitely do that. Um, where can folks find you? Where can they find your podcast? How do they get in touch with you? Okay, well, we are on Instagram and TikTok at The Shape of a Star Podcast. We are on Twitter that I never use because I hate Twitter, which is now X. But it's mm. at The Shape of a Star. Po- it's just at The Shape of a Star because podcast was too many letters to add on to it. Um, you can follow what I do for fun at, uh, my Instagram is Lodestars Lagoon. It's private. If you request me, I'll scope you out and make my judgment there. (laughs) (laughs) But if you want to get in touch with me, reach out to the podcast. There's also at the shape of a star podcast at gmail.com. I guess there's no at the front of the email. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) That could confuse people. They'll be like, why, why is Seth not getting my emails? Why am I spelling AT at the beginning of this? But yeah, um, redundancy, the same logo everywhere. And yeah, if you have a cool story in life, feel free to come on my show. <laughs> too. Hey, that's branding. You got to have it the same. And the fact that you got that that length of a handle on Twitter, on X, whatever it was, uh, <laughs> commends, commendable to you. Um, all right. Well, we'll link all of those things in the show notes. We'll even link your email down there in case people want to send you an email to get in touch with you to come on your show. We normally don't promote other podcasts on the show, but <laughs> we will promote yours. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just, just kidding. kidding. Um, inside joke. Uh, for anybody else who wants to out there who wants to connect with us, you can do so at John Chi Show on all the social media platforms. We have a Gmail as well, John Chi Show at gmail.com if you want to send us a note. You can also leave us a voicemail at 972-677-8867. And if you like our show or if you like Seth's show, go on to whatever podcast player allows you to leave ratings and please leave us a rating or review. It always uh, means a lot to us to be able to get those things and to make our shows more visible. So we really appreciate that. Um, Also, you can support our show by going to johnchyshow.com. 
got a lot of different things there. Like we have a store, we have the rest of the stuff that's there. <laughs> Buy um, me a coffee. Thank you, by the way, Cheryl. Cheryl, your mom. <laughs> My mom. Throwing out some snacks for us. Thank you, Alicia. Oh, did she buy these Walton terrible family. chips? Great. <laughs> um, thanks, Cheryl. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, we have a buy me coffee as well. If you want to go on there and support us that way, always greatly appreciate it as well. Um, if you want to find me, you can do so at Patrick in the world, wherever I want to be found on the internet. I am at KJ Rilke, wherever I am want to be found on the internet. <laughs> And I am N. Nowak on Instagram and Nathan Nowak on Facebook. By myself, Nathan Nowak on party. Facebook. <laughs> it's gonna be a, it's gonna be the last man standing. <laughs> the last Facebook account standing. Maybe the last X account. Um. All right. Well, that's it, Seth. Again, thank you so much. Um. Really appreciate you having you on. We're gonna have more conversations. In the meantime, until next time, until next week. John G. John G. Hey-o. Hey-o.